Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Author News Weekly. Um, I am Roland Denzel, an indestructible author, and I'm joined by three of my authorly friends, uh, Pippa, Nick, and Jim. Why don't you tell us um, why we're here, Pippa? Why are you here? Um, it was on my calendar. <laughs> the calendar, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that was a bad that was a bad way to bring that up. I don't know why I'm here. Um, I'm court ordered. Yeah. Why is any of us here? That was a dumb way for me to bring that up. I apologize to every listener out there. Um, I, I heard some feed. I heard from feedback from one of our from our one of our listeners saying that um, they wanted to know a little bit more about us and like what our history yeah. is and stuff like that. So for um, me, I, I, I can start. I can start. Yeah, I, I can start, and I can say that yeah, I'm Roland Denzel. I've written um, ten nonfiction books, and mostly health and fitness related. And I help other authors do the same. And I'm also working on uh, some urban fantasy that is yet to be published. And uh, yeah, so and now that that probably okay. makes sense to everybody. Yes, I have a better idea of what question I'm answering now. Um, uh, my name is Pippa Anastas. I write under pen names mostly Moira Katzen and Natalie Gray. I do a lot of ghostwriting and helping other authors plot out their series. And uh, I'm mostly in the sci-fi and fantasy area. So, Cool. Uh, Nick. Uh, name is Nick Thacker. I am uh, barely here today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink my coffee and we're going to get all the way here. Um, had a late night last or a long night last night, but... Uh, when I'm not tired, I write books, and most of them are thrillers. Jim. And I am Jim Heskett. I have written a few dozen thrillers I've been publishing for about 10 years. Some of my books have won awards. Some of them have had orange tags. Some of those books I've written with Nick Thacker himself. Whoa. The Nick Thacker? The, the Nick Thacker. None of the award-winning or orange tag ones were, but... <laughs> <laughs> the other books he wrote with me. Uh, the orange tag in gardening, gardening journals. <laughs> right. Yeah. Travel guide. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. Um, we've got a couple of good uh, news articles this week. As always, the last few months or the last few years, like AI has been really been in the news. And um, there's been some good discussions, some rough discussions. Um, I guess all discussions of it are good as long as you, you know, keep focused on what the, the end goal is. Um, but something that recently came up was uh, the Authors Guild released um, sort of a, a statement and a suggestion for how authors can protect their work from training AIs. Uh, if you had a chance to, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, if Amazon adds it to their platform, there's... So uh, the for those of you who are unaware of the the issue, it's generally that um, publishers or platforms will allow will put a clause in that says they can use your work for training AIs. Um, and if publishers do, definitely don't sign that. But if someplace like Amazon does, it, it's going to be interesting to see 
if there's enough pushback to to make them back down because because what are you yeah. going to do also i i tend to think that those are mostly performative and they're going to use it anyway but maybe i'm just cynical yeah i think it sounds nice but um i don't know how you trust your publisher to be technically savvy enough to stop that from happening because from what i understand there's a lot of ai services out there that just kind of comb the internet and take that stuff and there's very little you can do to actually stop it oh i didn't think it was like your publisher was promising to stop it i think it was they were training their own ais hmm. it's pretty nebulous yeah. yeah nick i agree with everything um yeah i mean i don't have a whole lot to add other than again i just feel like the cat's out of the bag folks hmm. with this i mean i'm um uh, wrapped in an NDA with a company that I've been working with on some of this stuff. And I mean, I, what I can say though, is they don't need any of this. Like there's tools now, there always have been code ways, I guess, for lack of a more technical, technical term of, of creating and crafting voices. But now there's some very easy to use, um, really nice UX UI ways of crafting voices, literally moving faders and knobs around on a browser to design a voice to sound a certain way. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, if you don't get Ray Porter to uh, agree to use his voice, you can probably make one that sounds just like him. That's legally, for all intents and purposes, not him because it was created by an AI. So, <clears throat> you know, this is really interesting. Um, I, you know, I don't want to go too much into it, but because um, I could talk forever about it. But, you know, I follow the music industry. I have said before, and I'll say it again, I think the music industry sort of leads about 10 to 15 years ahead of where we are as authors, almost in lockstep. <clears throat> what they do, what they go through happens to authors 10 or 15 years later. And this happened with sample libraries, where originally you had recordings of, I mean, back in the day, like when Roland was um, in his mid forties or fifties, probably. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So in the eighties. Uh, yeah. The eighties. Yeah. Back in the eighties, you know, you had Casio keyboards and fake sounds and things like that that were synthesized. And then you have these things called sa sample libraries where you record real instruments playing individual notes. Um, and they got really, really complex and really complicated, but they sounded great because they were quite literally a real, uh, voice of an instrument, which is where we are now with, with this AI audio stuff. However, where we're going with sample libraries um, in the last four or five years has been kind of back to the synthesized sounds. But now the computing power is, is there to literally recreate the sound of, say, a saxophone just using um, science, just using, you know, what basically the, the digital model modulation and um, application of pressure waves. Um, so it's really cool. I mean, I, I can't, I don't want to go too far into it because again, it's, it's really nerdy, but um, it's really cool. Basically, they don't have to have any sample library. They don't have to record a real saxophonist playing notes. They can literally just machine code into a, a GPU uh, and it produces the, the sound of a saxophone. Very accurate. So wouldn't, wouldn't they have had to at one point have sampled in a saxophone and then, well, maybe sampled is the no. wrong word, but recorded in a saxophone no. and, and analyzed it and then used science. As you, well, they wouldn't as have you call to, it, to recreate the sound or a similar sound? They wouldn't have had to necessarily record it for that express purpose. They could have just created code that sounded like a saxophone, then just compared it to a real saxophone, whether 
it's, you know, somebody playing in a studio somewhere, or if it's just a CD of Kenny G, you know, like it, it doesn't really matter. So, so basically somebody going in there, starting with a, like a sound and then like fiddling up the virtual dials up and right. down and adding this and adding depth and whatever to yeah. this until like, oh, that sounds like a saxophone. And now mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm good to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, and be, these people who are doing it are musicians. They know what a saxophone sounds like. And that's, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily need to pay Kenny G to come record samples for, for him to do this and have him give them express permission to, to you know, like th they don't need any of that. that that's another step that okay. they don't have to go to. So um, we have, what about, okay, so we have three different mediums, media, we have three things here. Um, audio, as you, as you just talked about, but then we have visual. So we've seen a lot of the visual, the art stuff, you know, that's been controversial as well. And then you have writing style right and writing craft and stuff like that so i think for the for most authors they would be worried that they're there i think the what they would, would be worried whether whether it's valid or not is that their work is being used to train ais to write work just like theirs yeah the problem is you can't copyright style no, no, I know, but the right. problem is, but they're so they're because of that. They're saying, well, if I keep my stuff out of their grubby hands of the AIs, they won't ever be able to write like me. Right. I just, I yeah, maybe, but I'd also argue that most authors don't really have their own voice or style. Right. I'm, and that's not <laughs> no. that's not like a slam. I mean, it's just true, right? Like, no, no, like quite honestly, know, I don't want to go read something that's written in somebody somebody's own voice that's so special and and unique because it's probably going to be like atrocious. It's going to be hard to get through. I just want it to sound like Dan Brown. Cause that's what, if I'm reading a thriller, I just want it to be like that. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I've been there. Like I, my, um, my editor of my first book also edited my, another much more famous author's books and mine. It was nonfiction. Oh, and, um, health and fitness. So I don't know which one of the, which one of your books is that, but, um, but maybe, but, and he emailed me and said, Hey, you can't just like emulate it's Lou Schuler. This is the guy's name, Lou Schuler's style. And I'm like, well, first of all, like my jokes are, t I have jokes in mine. They're totally different. Like, and like Lou is not unique. Like Lou writes a certain way. I write a certain way. I don't think my book is anything like his. Have I, have my influenced by Lou? Yeah. Cause he gave me editing advice on this book, this very book. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, cause I know Lou and, um, yeah. So like, but I mean, he, like Lou never didn't push back. Lou actually approved the book and, um, but yeah, like it's like that style, you can't copyright style and I don't want to be exactly like Lou, but it's hard to get away from that if you like this kind of books. And I think that is something that, that comes to mind every time I read through the the AI debate where they talk about, well, the AI is absorbing your work and spitting out something that it uses that as a as an inspiration, which is kind of how humans do it too. Mm -hmm. we, I, I think that's a really important argument, so. but that's really important to recognize that like we're we're only fighting about this because it's good. Like mm -hmm. it, basically we've just created a, a relatively dumb human at this point that's only getting smarter. Yeah. So, but the, the, the process is really no different than somebody and who how has a just a gigantic and, brain and yeah. can consume all the content at once. That's maybe scary, but, um, it's not really different. It's not really anything new. Yeah. It's, 
I think it's a scale issue. It it really does remind me though of when ebooks started to become a thing at libraries, and there was this giant worry about you know were people going to be able to borrow ebooks more than five times before the library had to buy another copy? Like, there's no limit on paperbacks. Or would there be a limit on ebooks? But because it was this new technology, people were feeling differently about it. Um, I think yeah. there might be some of that here, at least. Well, I, I'm, I don't understand. I mean, I, I agree with both of you on that reasoning. And I've had other discussions with other authors who have talked about, like, you know, that's how we learn. Like, we see art and, like, we are, that art influences the art that we create. And, like, what's to stop? I mean, I cannot say that. What's to stop an AI from joining Kindle Unlimited? But, like, what's to stop somebody from joining Kindle Unlimited having AI read all of these have an ai thing read all of these books not keep it but say oh this is something i learned make notes about this oh you know it's this type of thing tends to happen here this is a great way to do it so they're not actually copying any of your words they're not saving any of your words but they're learning from it that's how a human does it this was really all covered on that episode of star trek the next generation where the android data put on a, a violin concert for everyone hmm. That's all you need to know. Go back and watch that episode. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I know what I'm doing right after this. <laughs> I'm just going to do it for the next half of the show while you guys are talking. <laughs> I love Star Trek. All right. So, I mean, Nick, you seem to think like, has the ship sailed? I I think it hasn't sailed, but it's it's disembarked and people are on it. Yeah. I saw an interesting, this is not covered by the specific thing, but um, I don't know if you know Monica Lionel, but she posted something on Facebook or like a yeah. week or so ago that, you know, said like authors who are protesting all of these AI stuff, like, like, what is your end goal? That, like, that's really where I fall on it as well. It's like, it's not, hey, we can debate it all day long. And that might be a philosophically engaging and, and useful potentially discussion, but that's it. Like, I don't think it's a practical discussion because I don't, I don't hear anyone providing anything besides the government should legislate something. And, you know, I'm not, not even getting into politics. Like the government's pretty terrible at generally legislating any tech stuff. Right. So that's just bad all around, but I don't think they could anyway. And look how fast, like they were going from GPT two to GPT three, like was a huge, was really quick. And then GPT four is about to come out. Like, I it don't is, know how, is out, yeah. So I don't know how much better it is than three, but like, they don't really need us. And even if like you pulled all of your works out and said you can no longer train or, or you know, right. longer, or should not have trained, and you got, you know, like these things are learning so fast or people are learning to program these things so fast that you're all you at best, you're delaying the inevitable by an, a tiny little bit of time. And by focusing on this, instead of focusing on what you can do for yourself instead, when it finally gets here, you're out. Because the yeah. people who are thinking of how they can they can differentiate themselves or use AI in a way that they feel comfortable, those people are gonna gonna make it as an author. There was a um, John Oliver, he's a comedian who has a late night talk show. He had this very interesting um, video. I linked to it here, and it's not specifically about authors, but one of the things that he talked about is that at one point. Use attorneys for an example, because attorneys can use AI as well to like um, search for things, to write up, you know, the the drafts of, of legal briefs. And at some point in the future, it's going to be, you know, the differentiation is not going to be 
this author, this attorney isn't working. It's going to be between attorneys who use AI smartly and attorneys who don't use AI smartly and yeah. who's going to succeed, who's going to be the ones that are going to succeed in the long run. And it's yeah, that, I, that first batch. I, I honestly don't think this is going to prevent authors from working. I don't think it'll prevent pretty much any industry from copywriters will always have a job. Generally there will, you can be a copywriter in the future. I do think this is going to make it harder to get into that. So if you're not already established as an author, um, I'm not going to say you're shit out of luck because you can still make it. You can still start today and become an author, but sure. It's going to make it harder because what we're doing is just taking the bar and just raising it. I agree. Well, one thing, um, there is very little incentive for the companies that own and power this technology. There's very little incentive for them to slow down and do this ethically. There's every incentive for them to rush it out to market so they can be the first best one that everyone uses. And maybe that's a case for why government intervention is needed for the government to say, hey, you do need to slow down mm. and consider this more ethically because, you know, there's no reason for Google to want to slow down. They want to flood the market and have their AI win. You know, this is just like Blu-ray versus HD DVD war. It's any new technology. Everyone wants to have the first best technology on the market and squash all the others. Well, and the legislation itself is <clears throat> is one of their reasons is when they come back and they're like, well, there was there was no law against doing it the way we did it. Like, sure, you can make some ethical argument, but if it's fully within the legal realm of things. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, Jim, because um, like, you know, we talk about cloning. We yeah. know cloning will one day be a, a thing that hopefully will help us and not make like clone wars. But um, so like, let's legislate it so it's handled um, in an ethical, moral way. Yeah. Yeah. We just yeah. need to find Jar Jar Banks and then we'll be fine for when inevitable clone wars. <laughs> He'll lead us to it. a Sith. I hear he's an Andor too. Um, okay. Yeah, I... All right. AI, what are you going to do? <laughs> so. Let's move on to something else. Something that affects, uh, it's, an, it's another big fear of authors. I mean, they should call this like the fear episode. Um, but I think we have, time, we have time for, for one more. The biggest fears of authors, you know, like we only have time for two. Um, so why is Amazon punishing the victims of piracy? In which, in this case, it is the authors. So if you've, uh, if you've read this, this is an article from Plagiarism Today, which is a, what a great Wow, that's a whole <laughs> website, huh? I know, I know. They really have some good stuff. Um, but what they're, they've reported, and I found them because they weren't the, I found them because there were other places that are reporting on this, but a lot of them were more author focused and they were like, Amazon's out to get us, that kind of stuff. So this had a slightly different take, but basically you might've seen it on Facebook or social media, uh, other social media. Um, Spoutify or whatever you were uh, mentioning earlier. Spoutable. Spoutable, yeah. Spoutify. Spew, spew <laughs> worthy. Spew worthy is the land that I think we should make. We should Blow make. hole. Blow hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good name. I like it. <laughs> we Nick's just, busy just buying that. We should just that. tell everybody yeah. that you I can find us on blow hole and like see <laughs> what happens. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set up a social media. Yep. 
like just like a sign up sheet like be the tm first, tm like, tm oh sign up something that's like this is you know be the first you know there's a waiting list to sign up for yeah. bowl and we just start collecting things for like forever i'm gonna buy blwhl.com <laughs> if it's not available you can just get blowhole social that would be yeah, that one's probably available what are we talking about sorry <laughs> i know okay so we'll, we'll let you know on the status next week of our blowhole experiment <laughs> can we get a picture next of like, week we'll be like hey come blow me on blowhole <laughs> can we get a picture of you know like kramer swinging the golf ball you know like out like the how he's doing like the driving range out of the ocean and like clogs up the the blowhole or the whale with the golf ball okay um so like, anyway one cent once oh, year five year registry. that's definitely worth it blwhl.com <laughs> okay so why is amazon publishing victims of piracy which is the victims of piracy authors is authors so this is primarily happening for for ku authors so if you're in kindle unlimited which means that as an author you are you've clicked the kdp select box for your book you have agreed to be exclusive to amazon and but what's happening is people are pirates. Pirates be stealing. Pirates be stealing your book, and they're putting it on their little pirate sites. And Amazon's bots detect this, and because they're not using AI for their bots, <laughs> they just say, "Oh, author, you have to go take this book down. We'll give you like one day to take it down. Otherwise, we're going to pull your book out of Kindle Unlimited, or worse." Well, it sounds like that's not actually. Yeah, it's the no. We've we've banned you now. Yeah. yeah um you don't have a day but also i don't think this is new i remember this happening years and years ago yeah this is an old old thing old amazon has always shot first and asked questions later because it's just so much easier on their resources to do it that way mm -hmm. swing band you know my see who complains my eight-year-old uh 30 minutes after he finishes his dinner he'll say dad can i have a snack and i'll say sure go get it yourself and then if he doesn't he's it's because he's not really hungry you know, it's just so much easier for them to, it's like insurance companies that automatically deny your first claim because they want to make sure you're serious. It's way easier for them to just ban you. And then if you complain, they'll look at it. And if you don't complain, they'll assume that they were right because that's so much easier on the resources. They don't have to actually put people into it. They just kick you out. And then if you make a fuss, then they'll actually take a look at it. Yes, Amazon is, above all things, very efficient <laughs> with their resources. <laughs> Except for that thing where they occasionally like build something like Vela and just sort of lob it at a wall and wait. <laughs> That's everything they build, yeah. <laughs> or, that or that robot dog that follows you around the house. Oh, yeah, is that still a thing? There's a it's drone scary. version, too. Did you hear about that? It's like a, a drone that flies around your house when you're gone. No, really? Yeah. When you're gone. Oh yes, yes. And then there's the dinner, but anyway. new little walking robot that follows you around, so you don't have to carry anything. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this Amazon thing. Um, I guess just a right fuck you to Amazon because yeah, if you're like, listening maybe... to Amazon, you fucking suck. There, said it. <laughs> We're all thinking it. I said it. I mean, it's also fairly efficient though. So find me right on Kobo like... next week. <laughs> Like, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for Amazon to have one set of people that, go through and to, over to like at the course of an hour, a single yeah. hour, just be like, yep, that's a 
plagiarism site. Yep, and that's infuriating it. Infuriating to me. And then like they don't penalize people whose work is showing up on those sites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the part that I don't. Well, I know that's the part that I don't get. It's like it's so easy to detect whether you can just make a list of these are pirate sites. If you know. Yep. So for me, I think the answer is just money. They're making money when somebody buys a plagiarized copy of the book and therefore it's not in their best interest. If profits are their best interest, it's not in their best interest to remove that book until a customer complains about it, at which point then they'll go back and they'll ban the author that did it. Right? So when this happens, they don't really give a shit if it's, you know, the Enigma strain or the Agigma strain, you know, uploaded by some Russian bot. They're going to get money for both of those. And then when the customer complains about the Agigma strain not being the right book, then they'll go and find my book on accident and, you know, ban me or whatever. So I think there's some of this is, is actually the other one have maybe the other one has better reviews. Usually that's the case. Um, but yeah, so it's just infuriating to me because they don't actually give a shit about us. They don't actually give a shit about anything except bottom line. And yep. th that's the reason it's so much more efficient for them to just fuck everybody over and say, you know, well, whatever, not even say sorry, just to, you know, here's a form letter alerting you that you're an idiot, you know, and then not even communicating with you um, because it's faster and efficient that way. And they're going to, they're still going to make their money. So fuck them. How, what is, what's an author to do? Like Nothing. what, how do you protect yourself or, or if this happens to you, what, 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 what do you do? You need to meet a lot of other authors so that when this happens to you, you may know one of them who has like an actual Kindle representative that you can then call. Yeah, I think ultimately the long game is to, to go more and more direct, right? To just yeah. train your readership that, hey, Amazon is one place to buy my books. Um, I'm exclusive to Amazon, but I don't even care anymore um, that you know, if I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I send my readers to Amazon to buy the book and some of them complain and say, well, I only read on Kobo. And I just say, great, give me a receipt, show me a receipt from you buying the book at Amazon and I'll send you whatever version of it. Um, it's against Amazon's terms of service, but I don't give a shit. I just don't care. I'm over it. And so if they ban me, yeah. then like most of my readership will probably, um, you know, I'll have to build it back up again, but some of them will stay around and they'll buy my books wherever I, wherever I offer them. So also, there's a there's a certain tinge of leopards ate my face sub authors who signed up for the leopards eating my face party at Amazon. I've never, I've never like, heard. Is this a common term, common expression? Yeah, it's the. Yeah, let's, um... let's talk about your experience in trauma and past history. <laughs> and is that URL Please. available? It's, a, it's available. a political. Yeah, term it's L P R D S T M Y F C. Blowhole yeah. and the sister site <laughs> leopardsatemyface.com <laughs> but like you sign up for an exclusive like that's the only place your books are well you're kind of at their mercy now so and you've had ample demonstrations that Amazon's interests are often aligned with yours but not always by a long shot so I don't know maybe go wide well, go wide, go direct. I mean, I do think wide is the best way to go eventually. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell an author who, I mean, some books don't do well wide, right? So I understand why Kindle Unlimited is the best place to be. It's like, I think of it as two different marketplaces. You can sell books on Amazon and you can have books on Kindle Unlimited on Amazon. And 
it's hard to, to go wide on something where if, if thrillers aren't selling great on other platforms, then it's a tough thing to move. Now, maybe one day other platforms will start taking off and then, you know, and it's when, again, one of those things it's like, yep. like we've been talking about, it takes big name authors to make these, those, those daring, daring leaps. And I don't know, but the problem is the big name authors, they, they're already selling well on, <laughs> they're already wide. And they're already selling. Although I will say some, like, there's, there's a whole set of admin things you really need to do for selling wide. And if you do those, like I'm not a huge name author, but often make easily as much on Kobo or Barnes and Noble as I do on Amazon. Mm. And that's, you know, and that was effectively doubling or tripling my income, not, not reducing what I was selling on Amazon. So, so why do you think, okay, so we've seen over the last couple of years, authors band together big enough to where they have got the attention of, um, bigger, bigger organizations, you know, or, well, got the attention of organizations, you know, the Authors Guild, SIFWA, mm -hmm. and some others. Um, and those groups seem to have enough weight and reach to talk to somebody in Amazon who could make some sort of decisions. And we started to see some, some changes. Now, I, I don't know that it was because they talked to people in Amazon, but I think it's because that they're big enough that they were making waves into the news and then Amazon saw it in the news and said, okay, well, at least now we have a group to talk to instead of some, just an author here and an author there. What would it take for something like this? and other related things like it's just these like these ban first ask questions later kind of a thing maybe if they banned brandon sanderson <laughs> yeah and then he could he could go online and be like oh no remember me i ran that kickstarter <laughs> well prince harry's book was accidentally un um it had a pre-order and they mm -hmm. lost it right and they've been saying well there's nothing we can do you can't ever get those pre-orders back unless you're Prince Harry, right? And now that so now they've shown that they actually can get them back if they care. Do you think something like that, you know, if that happens in here is something like, but I mean, I haven't seen anything change. Like, do you think that that will, has stirred the pot behind the scenes enough to where they're going to put something in place? So pre orders are safer now? No, 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 they'll just fix it when it happens. So the big name, if you're famous enough. Not. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's at all squeaky mm. wheel. Yeah, yeah. So what would it so what would it take to get an author's guild or something like that involved in something like this where they already got involved with the Audible Gate stuff? Um, I don't think that would be too hard. Like to have enough authors, you could probably have Sifwa go in, or um, if they got enough of the books banned and just said, "Look, this is." This is insane. It's very easy to tell that these people are not going against their own interests by posting this for free on a torrent site. Like, you really need to not do this. Um, I don't think that would be so difficult. It would be a fairly easy fix. It's just right now, because there isn't a focused media attention, like Nick said, there's there's no reason for them not to swing a ban hammer and then ask questions later. Yeah. Jim, Nick. 
same. Yeah. I think it's because with the audible thing that they got caught doing something quote unquote bad, or it appeared to be nefarious where this other stuff appears to be incompetent and they're, they're okay looking incompetent, but they don't want to feel like they don't want to be accused of doing something bad and then have that continue to draw out. So they were willing to fix it and make it go away where this other incompetence is just like, oh, it doesn't affect that many people. The news isn't really picking it up, you know, that, that could definitely be. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would hate for anybody to get caught in this thing. And, um, and a lot of the big names in traditional publishing, they're in KU and wide, like they have like a special agreements. So like, this isn't going to affect them. So it's going to take somebody yep. huge in the indie sphere that, um, that's in KU that doesn't have one of these special things to get caught up in this thing to make a big enough stink. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, enough indie authors to be joining places like Sifwa because there, there are ways to qualify now. Yeah. So, um, once they're getting enough of their membership money from (laughs) yeah, yeah, a block that's being, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I think we'll be back next week with more things that authors worry about and uh, maybe something we'll find something positive as well. Um, (laughs) In the meantime, let's go around the room and the virtual room here and let us know where people can find you. Pippa? Uh, You can find my books under Moira Katzen and Natalie Gray, and they're on um, all of the major platforms. And what's your blowhole address? M R K T S N. And Nick? Uh, I am over on nickthacker.com and uh, more recently over at bookcareerinayear.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can blow me on blowhole as well. Jim, what we're doing is that the adjective we're using or the verb we're using? Yep. All right. I'm Jim Heskett and you can find me at jimheskett.com. Excellent. He's Jim's still on the waiting list for blowhole. Yeah. Um, I'm Roland Densley. You can find me at indestructibleauthor.com and on blowhole as uh, indestructible author. And what's your master <laughs> dong account? Is it master dong or is that not Mr. what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Is that not what it is? I thought everybody was going to Twitter to go to Master Dong. I really need to change my 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 settings here. Apparently, uh, <laughs> yes, you can helicopter me at Master Dong. Um, yeah. Well, all right, everybody. An erotic episode of I know, I know. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Okay. The blow hole episode. Um, (laughs) Thank you everybody for listening to author news weekly. And we'll be back next week with even more fun and even more news. Have a great week. (laughs) 